0: Gonmobile.io. It's GoneMobile.
1: Telerik UI for Xamarin is a collection of more than 70 Xamarin forms and Xamarin wrappers. A theming mechanism with a built-in predefined theme, predefined Visual Studio item templates, MVVM support, and more. The toolset offers fast loading, excellent drawing capabilities, pixel perfection and stunning UI, all while providing flexible customization. One C# project, three native mobile apps. Release your inner .NET ninja and create awesome cross-platform mobile apps with Telerik UI for Xamarin. For more information or to download a trial, visit telerik.com/xamarin-gonmobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gon Mobile
0: and how's it going today, John? It's going pretty well. I've uh, I've been taking some time in my evenings and I'm, I'm getting the next release of my Pool of Math app ready for the, the upcoming pool season and dreaming of warmer weather. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I guess. Uh, when, when do you open the pool in,
1: in Canada? I just assume it's never pool weather.
0: Yeah. I mean, as soon as you can convince the polar bears to take off for the season, you know, you, you then you're finally able to do it. Usually end of May or so. So not too bad. Nice, nice.
1: Yeah, one of these days we should probably do an episode on the the stuff that you're you're building with that pool math app. Since uh, you're always adding some cool stuff there, it seems.
0: Yeah, it's been an exciting year. Um, nice, big uh, new design coming out, and lots of new features. So we'll definitely catch up on it. Right on. Well, you know that we'll save that for a future
1: episode. But for today, uh, uh, I also have to admit a little bit of a, a mea culpa, where this is an episode that's sort of been in the back of my mind for for years now, where. Um, you know, today's guest actually spoke at my old user group back when I lived in in New York. Um, you know, which seems like a long time ago. It really wasn't that long ago, um, and it was a really awesome, uh, well attended session. Uh, really, really cool stuff that they they were building. Um, and I always meant to to schedule an episode for for our show here, but um, I clearly completely failed at that. But but better late than never. Uh, so today I'm really happy to have uh, Stacy Levine on to talk about OutSystems and and all the cool stuff they're doing over there. Hey, Stacy.
2: Hi Greg, thanks for uh, for the intro and for the invite to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and sorry it took so long, but no, you know no. we we were, you know, wanted to give you enough time to build as much cool stuff as possible.
2: <laughs> absolutely, and we've been well on top of that.
1: Yeah, um, so I think you know why don't we start with uh, the really like the thirty thousand foot view here of uh, you know for for anyone who's not familiar, like what what is OutSystems doing? And you know uh, OutSystems, you guys describe yourself as this low code. Uh, platform where low code is is definitely a term of, you know, I think I started seeing popularized largely by by what you guys were doing, um, and it seems to be coming more and more common these days. So I'd love to get your take on just what that means in general.
2: Sure. So so low code is one of the marketing analyst buzzwords for a, a way to develop applications. When people ask me, I like to start and just say, what does OutSystems do? It's just it's a different way to deliver web and mobile applications um, because at the end, it's all about speed, right? Your users are always, always asking for more, better, faster. And OutSystems has a development platform that lets you do enterprise grade, mobile and web. So we cover the whole, whole range applications. But. Uh, it's fast because it's visual. So now it's the part where you roll your eyes and say, <laughs> Oh, visual. That's not really for me. I've heard work. it all before. <laughs> yeah. Now we've tried that and all the four GL languages didn't work. And right now that's rational Rose and all those old technologies that never really got anywhere. And I get it. And, and that was my thought when I came across out systems about five years ago. Um, it really does work. Um, we have over a thousand customers when you're looking at kind of what the analysts do. And when they look at the space, we are, you know, the leaders in the space. Um, but again, it's just, it's a different way to deliver applications. Uh, one of, uh, one of our, our, our developers said it really lets him focus on the solution he's delivering rather than right. The, the commas and semicolons and brackets or whichever delimiters in the language that you're using.
0: So I'm really curious, like describing this as low code doesn't mean no code. Um, where does that line kind of get drawn with this type of setup?
2: So that is also a great question because confusing the space even more, you'll see a proliferation of no code applications, right? Because oh, it's you know, soon it's going to be think about the application, and we've got it. Um, <laughs> we're not there. <laughs> and and why is out systems in the low code space, right? So let for now, we're just going to stick with mobile applications, right? Um, you have the ability to right control CSS, inject your own JavaScript. Um, the platform actually sits server side on top of a .NET stack. Not that that's incredibly important, but there's an integration toolkit to where if you needed to go and write .NET code, you can. And no platform is ever going to deliver everything that you want to do. So let's say I'm a Java shop and I want to do something that the platform doesn't do. Great, write it in language of choice and expose it as a REST interface or so and call it from the platform so you're extending it in to do what you want. So it's open in that nature to really make it extensible uh, to where you don't have limits.
1: So what is it? Let, let, let's start digging into to what it actually looks like then to, to work with without systems. Like, um, you know, I'm sure there, there's a lot of different moving parts here and sure. pieces that you can bring in and, and obviously code that you could inject and, and that sort of thing, like you mentioned. But, but before we get there, like, what is it? What is like a file new project experience kind of feel like when you're, you're getting started with an application in this, this sort of manner?
2: Um, so when I start with with file new, when I start with a new application, first let me just say that if you go to our website, which is just www.outsystems.com, in the top right there's a try for free, so you can sign up for a free cloud version, download the IDE, and try it out. So feel free, it's there. But when you say new application, you get prompted to do whether you're creating a web or a mobile app. Right? I take mobile. I give it a name, I give it an icon, color, click start, and then I'm presented with a canvas. And the canvas is broken down into kind of four main tenants. Um, We'll start with data layer. And and I know when I develop applications, I always start with the data layer. I'm not sure why, but that's how I do it. Um, So you can use the platform. It sits on top of a database. You can uh, do all of your data modeling in there. Cool thing about out systems, is, especially when you're talking mobile, offline is key and key not just for applications where you don't have internet connection. It's also key for caching, right? Caching lookup mm-hmm. data, right? Uh, why would I want to cache all the zip codes in an area or cache states or provinces? Um, Right, so so data that's not going to change. You want to be able to do offline. So I can data model both right persistent server side storage, and I can also visually model uh, local storage. Right. Then there's another tab that is um, called actions logic. It's where you think methods functions. Again, it's where you do the modeling of those functions. Then there's a UI layer, which is a wizzy wig type. UI designer, and then the last tab is for business process. Right, mean, So workflows, anything from simple to highly complex business process. So that's in the designer. When I do file new, and get to that point, I always go start defining my data model and then start creating the screens from there. We do have some really cool application screen templates that we've analyzed a bunch of common patterns. So I can say, oh, this is a, an application template that has um, a search box across the top and a data table and a few filters and an export button right? with some pictures. And with just that, I can click and automatically I've got the screen generated with all of the those um, widgets on them, and then I can start changing the data bindings. So we've got a bunch of different accelerators in the platform as well to, again, help you achieve that speed of development.
1: Right, that makes sense. And when you're talking about the these tabs um, and and the IDE, is this is this a, a desktop based IDE that you would download and install? Like you know, the, we have a lot of you know, NET folks in in our in our listener base here. So like you know, the same way you would use Visual Studio or VS Code or something like that, or is Absolutely. this uh, a web based
2: IDE? No, it's a it's a fat client download install. We continue to investigate um, other methods. Right, I mean the the obvious one is a web designer. Don't right now. I don't think the web is quite there yet for full developer experience to really let you have the control and the abilities to do what you need to do. It's getting better constantly, and when it's there, yeah, I'm sure we'll readdress that situation. But OutSystems is is aimed at a developer. You're you're used to certain abilities and controls that would just be hard to do in a web.
1: And is that um, is the fat client cross platform at all, or is it is this a Windows client? Or
2: so we have a Windows client, and we do have a Mac client that is in technical preview currently.
0: Okay, cool. So that that addresses you know a big user space. So that's that's kind of nice to see. Um, I'm I'm curious. You talked a little bit about different kind of templates and like pre built kind of parts uh, to fire up your app. Mm-hmm. You know, can you go into a little bit more detail about like what kind of apps? Can you build with once is like what what really lend themselves well to being built with your your technology?
2: So I, I it's a little bit easier to say what's not. So we really you probably wouldn't go and build the next Pokemon Go without systems, right? That being You're said, pretty impressive <laughs> if you could. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um my kids would enjoy it. And but the all the back end server side things you could absolutely build without systems, but the, the, the sweet spot, the, we have lots of different consumer facing, lots of business facing applications. Um, so everything from there's a company called Wattify that does software for CrossFit gyms that's built in the platform, right? To uh, in, In Asia, we've got some banks that have built their banking software in OutSystems, and this is commercial-facing banking software. One of our clients just rolled out to all of their Salesforce, um, an application that lets them on their phone check order status and customers and customer information. It's a lot of hmm, transactional data. I'm not saying it's not for beyond that and can do graphics. We had one company in Texas Create a social networking application for children's sports teams doing video sharings just within, so kind of a protected environment for sharing stuff about their kids, right? Because it's a scary world out there. So, do you really want to be posting publicly videos and all this? So, again, it ranges.
0: So at the end of the day, when you have an app, you know—is this something that? Um, I mean, if we're talking mobile apps, like I'm guessing, this is something that you get published to the app stores, like a traditional app, or is this something you're hosting yourself, or do you provide like cloud hosting?
2: So there's a lot of uh, questions there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, so so let's start with when I'm talking a mobile app, what's the output? Right, the output is an IPA or an APK file. And then I take that and do with it whatever I'm going to do. If I want it to go to the store, then I go through my process and submit it to the store. If I happen to have an enterprise developer certificate and want to uh, deliver it to the appropriate people, unlike yes, Google yes, and if Facebook, Apple will shut you <laughs> off, <laughs> right? Um, so a uh, good caveat, just in case anybody's listening, right? make sure to follow the guidelines of your license. Um but yeah, so you, if you've got the enterprise developer certificate, you can uh, deliver it however you want along that way, right? So you end up with the traditional IPA and APK file. Now to the question of where is the, the platform hosted, we have um, a bunch of different options, right? So we have a hosted version. Obviously, the free version is hosted by us. Um, if you're talking the commercial versions, it can either be hosted by us or you put it wherever you want. That's right. That fits all of the requirements for the platform installation. Whether that's right, AWS, Azure, right, your own data center, your closet doesn't matter.
1: So I'm curious to hear a little bit about the the security side of things too. I mean, you mentioned um, customers like like a banking app, or you know, even like the, the you know, you were talking about apps for like home safety and things like that. Like there's a lot of sensitive data that we're talking about here, right? Or, or healthcare apps. Um, what sort of security affordances
2: are built into out systems? So that's also a great question. Um, and 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 security covers a number of topics. So there's the hosting side and then there's the how do I make sure I build secure applications side? Is there one or both? Uh, both, I would say. <laughs> So let's talk the hosting side. So, and we do have a number of customers in healthcare finance in some of those areas. Some of them have chosen to be hosted by us. Um, for the ones that are hosted by us that are secure, we do have a secure hosted version. Uh, we call that edition Century, uh, like Sentry, like S E N T R Y, right? So Sentry. Um, and that is um, a fully compliant. High security, all, all right. everything from all the proper firewall logging to all the virus detection to running all the analytics constantly on what's going on the server to the proper access controls. right? Because there's a lot, a lot there, yep. right? <laughs> um, and, and and we could go into it or that's just outsystems.com slash sentry, I believe, uh, and you can find out about that. As far as... How we help you write secure applications, right? So, how do I make sure that I'm not doing things that are, right, subject to the OWASP Top Twenty or right SQL injection or, or take your pick, right? This goes back to OutSystems is a visual language, so instead of necessarily going and writing queries, you're dragging onto a screen now. You're typically dragging onto a screen that represents a query, and then adding joins, adding conditions, adding filters to there. Behind the scenes, when that compiles, and this is where I'm about to say it—it it generates code. Mm-hmm. Now, I, just just to talk for a second, it's not a code generator, even though it generates code, <laughs> which sounds like I'm I'm saying the same things backwards. The reasons why I like to be clear here is. The fact that it generates code is an awesome benefit in the fact that you've got compiled code and and there's some other benefits along extensibility, but you actually don't have access to that compiled code and you're not meant to go and open it and make changes. So when people hear code generator, they're thinking to nightmare stories with right RMS or one of those types of things where it's generated a nightmare code to maintain without systems. Anytime you make changes, you always go back to the visual model.
1: Well, yeah, it's all about like whatever the level of abstraction is, right? It's like all the arguments that folks have around like the name or like the term serverless over the last couple of years where um, it, it is kind of a silly term, but you know, yes, everyone knows that there are servers behind the scenes, but the point of the whole point of it is that the level of abstraction means you don't care and that's an implementation detail. Absolutely, It sounds like that it's a code generator in that sense, like there's code running, like Obviously, something has to run, sure. But you're not you're not dealing with that code, right? Uh,
2: you you nailed it, right. So <laughs> I, I was trying to think of the best thing, but that was a really good way to put it, right? Um, and and I really like the serverless example because that's a pet peeve of mine. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> like cloud. It's not in the cloud. It's just somebody else's data center.
0: Um. So you talked a lot about you know this this being a really visual kind of like drag and drop and kind of put things together this way. Does that expose any sort of really obvious limitations in what you can do with an app?
2: What it does more, it doesn't necessarily expose limitations, but what it does is it adds some skepticism at first right? because it looks so simple that people go. How can something that looks so simple really do something complex? Right? And, and when I've been talking to people about that, I, I like to go, okay, fine. Think about the most complex problem you ever had. Right? You, you spent weeks or months working on, on a, a program. Now, if you reverse engineer it and go back, you started somewhere and you wrote a method or a function, and then you went somewhere else and you wrote another method or a function that called that one and then it did something else. And, and if you look at the thousands or millions of lines of code now, you, you really have a bunch of atomic elements in there. Fours, ifs, loops, right? Assigns, some calculations, some database queries, and then manipulating a bunch of those things. Now, if you take that and apply it to a visual world, right? think of, of Visio. Everybody's familiar with Visio or, or Lucid charts. I'll be more current, right? Um, <laughs> right, so then if those atomic elements are just represented by visual symbols and you write a function and then you write another function that calls that one and then takes words return and does some more calculations and makes some decisions, does some lookups, that's, that's how you go. So it it takes a little bit of open mind to really start thinking about it. It's a different way to develop, right? Um, so while well, I'm about to date myself over the, course of my development career i've programmed in everything from clipper summer 87 to fox pro to delphi and vb3 and c++ and c# Sharp right and you know, net from 2001 forward to java it's languages evolve and the way you do things change i look at out systems as great for me as a developer creating a screen to show data in yet another way not so interesting Right, yet that data is super interesting to whoever has to view it, right? And and look, right, now, maybe I wrote a, a meeting a meeting app, right? So you're you're doing meetups and you just say, oh, look, I just want people to sign in and do something else. Capturing that data is awesome. Is there a lot of value in me spending, you know, four days to go through Xamarin or tool of choice to write those apps? Or is the value in me going and spending an hour and writing it in something like OutSystems, right? For me, that's I get the same functionality. The users have the same experience, so I get to do that, and maybe I can spend those extra three days figuring out how I want to do some cool integration to another service. So that's that's really a cool thing. Um, but it does it does take a little bit of an open mind to to think about it that way.
1: Yeah. And it really, for me, it sort of depends on the type of thing that you're looking to build. But, you know, as someone who's done mobile apps for for a pretty long time at this point, like, you know, probably even more so because I've done that, like I, you know, I know how much work goes into making even a basic mobile application and not every app is, you know, that's not necessarily the biggest value prop for for every app that you want to throw out or, you know, data entry or, or whatever it might be. So um, you know, being able to lower the barrier to creating these sorts of experiences for even things that don't have to do a whole lot or be the flashiest thing in the world. Like I think that personally see a lot of value in that sort of thing.
2: and And even if they are value, so this is where this require this out systems really still requires that development mindset when you start thinking about, all right, a mobile app, there's a lot of things you need to to consider. Let's take offline because it's just an easy example. If I'm going to make the app available offline, what happens if there's data conflicts, right? Do I need to do all these changes there? OutSystems doesn't solve those problems for you. It just allows you to focus on those particular issues and say, all right, so I'm going to design this pattern to say when I change this data, maybe it does conflict detection. When I change this data over here, I don't care, just overwrite the server stuff. So you can still apply all of your hard one developer skills to those concepts. It's just the implementation details are easier.
1: Right, and you actually just started to touch on exactly where I was I was going to go next. So that's a nice segue, and and because I was curious to hear a little bit more about what the the backend and persistent side is, and it sounds like um, based on what you were just saying of of having some built in uh, conflict conflict resolution sort of mechanisms that you can opt into. Like, do you have your own sort of data storage backend that these apps use, or do you just you know can do developers pick whatever sort of backend they want and implement that stuff themselves, or is it both?
2: It's both. Um, so the platform sits on top of a database. That database is used for metadata logging, and it can be used for application data right and that data is that, that database is either various versions of SQL server or Oracle, right? But it can connect to just about anything right out of the box. There's a bunch of other connections to MySQL, DB2. We have a database API that would allow you to extend that. We have some community supported connectors to things like Redshift and Postgres. Right? So you can extend and go that or, again, put it anything behind a REST interface and you can send and receive data there. We have in our documentation, and some of our accelerators will recommend certain patterns, right? So where, where I was talking about the read-write, read-only, which, which type of way to go. And, but we allow you to define, change them, do whatever you want. They're just some documentation and accelerators to say, hey, get you started, and then go from there.
0: So what about other points of integration like that aren't just, you know, back-end data sources or things like that? Um, do you allow integrations with external services? Like, what if I've got my own, you know, uh, REST API or maybe some analytics services? Like, what kinds of things are you seeing your customers do with external integrations?
2: So lem- lem- so first, anything that can go via SOAP or REST, you can easily integrate to with the platform, right? Um, we have... In our website, we we have a place called the Forge, and that is uh, an open source community of over two thousand components, samples, connectors, to everything from Google Maps to Dropbox to Box to right, you know, a, a little tiny widgets, sliders, all sorts of things across the board. So anything from services to UI widgets. If people have said, "Hey, I want to use this slider," and you don't have it in the platform. Right, it's a JavaScript slider. There's ways to incorporate that and bring it into the platform. So really, you can integrate to just about anything.
1: And is that, is the Forge, um, uh, I, I might have missed this as you we were talking through it. Is that is that a bunch of components maintained by OutSystems? Or is this a, a community thing where you can sort of see what other people have contributed and contribute your own things potentially?
2: It it The answer is yes. It's both. (laughs) Fair enough. It's it's across the board. So there's three levels of components. There's uh, a number that are supported by OutSystems. Then there are a number that we call trusted. And that means either somebody from OutSystems or whatever MVPs have gone through and vetted the component and made sure it looks like it does what it says, it's reasonable, it works, those things. And then there's just a number of components out there that anybody has put up there. Even me, stay away from those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm curious too. That just this being a really mobile centric podcast, and sure. you know, we do a lot of really mobile development stuff. Uh, what does it look like in terms of integrating? Like, I, I saw in one of the demo videos, and I only know this because I did a, an integration for Xamarin with it with this like Card component, which is like a barcode or a credit card scanning thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw it working in one of the uh, OutSystems apps. So I'm curious what that looks like in to a developer, to somebody who wants to start integrating like custom um, mobile-specific features into the, into an app?
2: So I haven't looked at that one specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just talk about what OutSystems mobile apps look like under the covers and then talk about that, right? So
0: yeah, exactly. Perfect.
2: OutSystems mobile applications, while they do end up in an AP, IPA APK, they are in the hybrid app range, right? So they're using Cordova, React.js. On the device side, they're using SQLite for offline. And on the server side, it's compile.net code. Right? So that's the range of technologies. As far as extending the mobile applications, um, depending on where you want to extend it. So if there is any Cordova component out there, you can bring those in and make them usable in the platform. So you can access any of those device features or anything along the lines. Um, Cardio, I'm assuming that's a service out there that you would send a picture of the, is that the one that you can send the picture of a credit card and it returns the numbers back?
0: Yeah, it's like a native, I I was more curious just to the idea of like having a a native library on your system, uh, and being able to access that, like a native Objective-C or or Android Java library. So you can do
2: those as well. Um, I haven't personally done it, so I can't tell you all of the steps to Do that one. Um, I've done a couple of different Cordova uh, ones that are out there, and in general, those are really simple. Uh, You add a specific line of XML into your application project, and then kind of grab the JavaScript from the from GitHub and reference and bring it down. Uh, There are steps, but as far as building the the native ones, I know. We've done it. The The last one that I know somebody did is they didn't like any of the barcode scanning uh, out of the native capabilities. And they had a need for super high speed barcode scanning. So they bought a native barcode scanning library and integrated it with the platform. It's possible. Steps I can't tell you.
1: Yeah. Well, I'd have to imagine too, that given that you're, you're building on the back of Cordova, that it's probably pretty similar to just doing the Cordova wrapper to whatever, um, whatever that native library is, and then bridging that to, to out systems. Um, if I had to guess, it's
2: probably a good guess. (laughs)
1: Um, so I'm curious to jump a little bit to the, the UX and UI kind Mm -hmm. of customization side of this. Like, um, you know what? What does that kind of look like from the perspective of, say, uh, a developer or a designer, or like what capabilities are there uh, for that sort of thing, or you know, abilities to customize per platform, or like what, what's in there for the, the UI
2: side? Sure. So we have um, a, a UI framework called OutSystems UI. I know it's a crazy unique name, um, <laughs> but if you you can go to our website and check it out, it has. I don't even remember, but a bunch of UI widget patterns. And we did a lot of analysis of the top 200 mobile applications and broke them down into, hey, these are the widgets and patterns that people are using and created those patterns into the platform. So then those are drag and drop pattern elements, and we're constantly working on them, constantly updating them. Um, Cool thing is they're responsive out of the box, so you right, you you do it for one mobile device. You've kind of got the range of them. Still need to test, but it gets you close. You have no <laughs> idea what what device manufacturers have done done next, but that gets you there. But again, because of the technologies, right? It's standard technologies under the cover. So even if you don't have a UI widget that you want, you find a JavaScript UI component. And you can do it. As a matter of fact, uh, tomorrow, uh, my team, so I run the advocacy team here at OutSystems. My team is putting out two videos tomorrow on how to do two different JavaScript uh, widgets just because we've had a few questions recently. Um, we can also do things, right? You you have full access to the CSS, right? So you can do all, for all you CSS wizards, which I am not, um, <laughs> You have full control and can access and, and do everything you want to from there. So it's it's you're not limited.
0: Do you have any sort of um, like community, you know, community place to to kind of share these things with each other, similar to to what you talk about with like other extension points and services?
2: Um, so any of the UI widgets that you create would go in that same forge if you wanted to share. Okay. Um, so that Forge is not just for connectors and integrations. It's, it's a new UI widgets. It could be a sample on how to do something, right? Um, uh, it just ranges the board. So it, it's anything that you, it could be a full-on application, right? You could say, hey, I've written this really cool application to you know, manage my volleyball team and I'm good. I'm just going to go ahead and post it out there to the Forge and people can take it and do with what they want. So it can be, our, our community has things that range from across the board.
1: Cool. And I, and I think we've we've kind of talked past it a couple of times uh, throughout this. So it's probably good to just sort of get the a canonical list out there to some extent. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned publishing for iOS and for Android. We've talked about the web a little bit. Um, like, are those the, the primary platforms supported by OutSystems? Are there any others, say like Windows or Mac or, or anything?
2: Yeah, that's it. We're web and mobile. Um, we don't currently support doing anything for wearables. Um, we do have one, uh, at least one company that is used the platform to write a back end for wearables, and then wrote the front end using. I actually think it was Xamarin, but I'm not hundred percent certain. Um, and then tied back to write a set of APIs that created with the platform. Uh, so, yeah, but it's just it's just web and mobile.
1: And then on the website, are there are you hooking into any of the say like progressive web app type APIs for um, be it offline service worker type stuff or even just like add to home screen app like behavior type stuff?
2: We're not currently doing progressive web apps. There are some samples to do things with service workers, especially around right notifications. You know, every every website now wants to send you notifications. And there's a in our forge, there's a plugin to show you as an example how to do that because it's just right, it's just a bunch of JavaScript, so easy enough to do as long as the browser supports it.
0: So now that I've got my app made, what does it look for me to actually like deploy this thing to get it running and, and going live?
2: Uh, we're just sticking with mobile, though, right? Mobile web. Let's do both. Well. The web, right? So so let's talk about not the free version because the free version, you have one environment. So you go to the IDE, at the top of the IDE, there's a big green button. When you push that button, it publishes the visual model, turns it into running code, deploys the website, and it goes, right? So in the free version, that's it. Your app is now, your website is now live, right? Um, in a commercial version, obviously, you would have multiple environments. There's a whole DevOps piece that allows you to one-click publish and deploy uh, your application from dev to QA to production or however many environments you have in the pipeline, right? The same thing kind of applies to mobile. On mobile, you have both front-end and back-end code, right? So, so what I haven't talked about is how do I create that that IPA file, APK file? Um, so you guys know that is non-trivial,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even this many years in, it's still a bit like one of the hardest parts of writing an app is getting the actual package. Yeah.
2: So it's actually um, really easy without systems. Um, so I still have that big green one click publish button. And what that does is that compiles and, and creates any of the server side code, right? Because your mobile has to talk back to something unless you're building a completely offline app. But right. Um then within the IDE for mobile apps, you have a specific tag that says Native. Right? And you have a series of configurations for iOS and Android. And for iOS, you choose the build type, whether it's in-house, ad hoc, right, development, production. You have a place to upload your license, your provision file. You set your key. For Android, similar. But you set those, and you click a button. And we have a cloud-based service. It's our mobile build application service. And it takes everything, including the files, sends it up to the secure service. And within about three minutes, you're delivered back a link to download your IPA or APK file or both. And then you download those files and distribute them however you want. So if it's going to the store, then you open up your Mac and, and upload it to the store.
1: Are there any APIs or command line utilities or anything like that for being able to to automate this or put it into, say, like a a CI process or anything? Or is it generally triggered from developer machines?
2: The deployment piece, there is a full API around, uh, and let me be clear when I say deployment, the migration of apps between environments is what I'm uh, specifically referring to, right? There is a full API around that. So, if you wanted to do this into Jenkins or or something along the lines, you absolutely can automate it and and tie into those pieces. The mobile application builds that still requires a click. Right? So at some point you'd have to go and so what let's say I have I've got a mobile app. I'm doing the deployments to production. I've done the deployment to production. I have to do the to click build the mobile app and send it up to the store. Now, I, I should point out one very cool feature. If you haven't done hybrid apps before, um, fancy word is code hydration. I, But what really that means is the apps in general can self-update, right? So um, just like, I don't know, Facebook, you can kind of see that thing you're using Facebook and all this says is, Congratulations, you're using the latest version. We want you to always be up to date. This allows you to do bug fixes, features, as long as they're not changing that native integration piece without necessarily deploying an update to the store. So let's say you're a major bank and you've put out a version of your application that stops people from being able to transfer money. And it's a one-line code fix. In traditional development, you have no choice but to make the code fix, submit it to the stores, wait for approval, then wait for people to download. Without systems, if you happened to have done that, you make the change, click the pub button, everybody is using the app, they automatically get the update, and it's there. And that story is a, a real story from the the banking world. Not not using out systems, but there was a major bank two years ago that had just that problem.
1: Yeah, I and mean, it's a it's a very real problem, and th- and that sort of begs the question to me too. I'm curious what if there's any sort of inherent built in monitoring or error reporting or anything that uh, that you bake into to these apps as part of the OutSystems platform that you can use to say monitor for those sorts of problems, or do you have to opt, Do you just pull in whatever your service of choice is for um, that you're going to pay for externally or use externally and wire that up?
2: We have a a certain amount of logging built in. Automatically. Now, that, that particular problem probably wouldn't show up no matter what, like the inability to transfer money, but we do especially have performance metrics that are captured automatically, um, which provides all sorts of metrics on how your applications are performing down to where you might have bottlenecks, whether it's an API, whether it's a database, whether it's a, a particular screen that's performing poorly. All that's built in and that data, the raw data is actually accessible too. So we don't obfuscate anything. It's it's there. Uh, likewise, if you're using any of those tools that are out there from Splunk to New Relic to whatever, you can certainly use them with the platform.
0: And what's the the overall like testing story look like around the product? I mean, because it's not kind of a traditional coding method, that seems to me that you'd probably have to think about this a little bit differently. What does that look like?
2: Uh, testing. Um, I should have brought one of my colleagues along. Mark is uh, a <laughs> that's very near and dear to his heart, but you don't want to just roll out applications and let your. <laughs> well, users I do, uh, but Greg seems to be uh, really test. fond
0: of testing, so I asked it for him. <laughs> asking for a friend.
2: <laughs> um, so we have several different things, and and that is an area of the platform that is continuing to evolve. We actually just announced. Uh, something last week on it, uh, a new joint venture with one of our partners to add some additional testing of your applications and features. But back in the forge, we have, I think three test frameworks that can work together. There's a BDD test framework, there's a unit test framework, and then there's another test framework that can work individually or um, together to do testing of your application. Likewise, right for m- mobile applications specifically, you could do things like use. Azure has a device testing framework. Amazon has a device testing cloud framework. Those are things you should make use of, right? No, we we don't we don't have anything baked in that lets you test it across you know a hundred different physical devices and simulate bandwidth concerns and. All of those types of things. So we we have written some some articles on how to use AWS Device Farm, for example.
1: Nice, yeah, those are definitely good to take advantage of for sure. Um, so I, we we've talked about a lot of different stuff here in terms of you know how you know some of the pieces that you can put together, some of what comes as part of the system, um, how you deploy, and all that. Uh, and, and we talked a little bit in, in the beginning, I think, about some of the, like example applications and how it's been used, but um, you know, it occurs to me, like, I think it would be useful um, if you have any good examples that come to mind of, of things that folks have built on out systems that, that serve as like a good example of what you can build on this sort of platform. And like, you know, real world business applications where like, this is a a viable solution, like something, something to just help tie these things together and, you know, show that it's not just for a toy application or, you know what I mean? No,
2: no. And that, again, that, that, That's a great observation and a question that we get all the time. Um, Kindly, the majority of the applications that are built without systems historically have been internal. So, right, I was happy to provide examples, and I will, but just it's a little harder to provide public ones. Like the, the, (laughs) the, the, the Wattify example is a great public one, right? So they're the largest provider of software for CrossFit gyms. And it's built on top of out systems, right? Other things range from there's a school that built an emergency notification system for parents. So that's a very small application, right? To we have a medical company that has built an entire ERP without systems. Now, do people typically build ERPs? No, but the their case, they actually did the analysis And figured it was going to take them several million dollars, uh, way above anything they would have spent and in like quadruple the time to build, to buy, and then customize an ERP for their drug trial needs than to build one without systems. Um, Another company, right? Everybody knows FICO, your FICO score, right? They have a white labeled system using out systems that does all of the credit checks for. Uh, a lot of different people. So we have a lot of customers that are using a system from FICO that are actually using a system from an out system. Right. So there, there's a, a lot of different things, a lot of, uh, uh, use cases out there. Um, we have a lot more on our website. And so you can feel free to check it out. I'm again, I don't want to bore people with lots of stories, but we've gotten okay. banking. We even have, uh, a, a a cool company that has written, um, a mobile app that is—you know how when you go to church and they pass the the plate around to do donations. This is a mobile app for small community churches to to do the same type of thing. So a, a collection app. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether they pass the iPad around or not, but you get the idea. <laughs> right. So it's 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 a lot of different things
0: well it, it sounds like we've covered uh, you know a whole lot uh, of on the platform in general and I'm just wondering is, is there anything you know big that you think that we missed any anything you want to kind of call out
2: um from the mobile side I think we did a good job covering it and and there's a lot of things and i would encourage anybody to to certainly go and check it out um, the only thing I didn't really talk about is right so mobile apps can talk about backends right so you could use out systems to create an entire API layer. Um, not exaggerating when I say I could take and create and expose a web service in in seconds. So maybe two minutes, I could do a simple web service to connect to a customer table and expose that to take parameters and go, right? So I could build a full API backend. Now, if you're talking mobile, maybe you want to scale that out. Well, you know what? OutSystems actually supports Docker containers as well. So I could go and create Docker packages automatically, which by the way, that's also a non-trivial thing, just like creating the package to for an IPA or an APK. If I wanted to create a Docker package for... Uh, scaling out something on the back end that's non trivial. We've well, got a way where we'll go and all the way down to creating the Docker package for you to deploy how you want. So, again, in the, in the strictly mobile world, you, you still have to consider some of the back end things and how do you scale and how that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a good call out too, because like you said, pretty much every mobile app out there has some sort of back end. And if it's ever successful, that back end will hope, like if you're lucky, that back end needs to scale. So, being set up from the start is is pretty key there. And,
2: and even beyond just right, the set of APIs to feed it, it's how do you manage right, the that mobile application? So I typically would have a, a basic web application that does some configuration, some management, know some things there. So it's awesome to have one tool that I'm using to do both web and mobile.
1: Right. Well, I think that's a, that's a pretty great point to, to kind of put a bow on it. We'll have links to, to all the stuff that you were talking about in the show notes. Um, Stacy, it was awesome to have you on the show, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah,
2: thank you very much, Greg, and nice to see you again. Nice to meet you, John.
1: You too. And thanks, as always, to everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.